0: Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, the Vision for You Big Book study, and Happy New Year to everyone. My name is Monica T, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. And today is Friday, January 2nd, 2015. And today we are reading from the big book. We are in the chapter, More About Alcoholism. We are on page 31, and we will be beginning with the paragraph that says, We Do Not Like. And today's readers are the 12 Steps, Lauren S., 12 Traditions, Sarah H., Anita J., Santa H., and Sue G., and the share code for yesterday, Thursday, the first day of January 2015, is 7155-7155. OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous, is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. This meeting's primary purpose is to abstain, to recover from compulsive overeating, and to carry this message of recovery to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose OA's Fifth Tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through the abstinence and the practice of the Twelve Steps and the Twelve Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. And I will now ask Lauren S. to plead read the Twelve Steps.
1: Okay. Whoops. <clears throat> Lauren S as in Sam, a recovered compulsive eater from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came the belief that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God and the power to carry that out. And 12, having that a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message to alcoholics and to practice these principles in all our affairs.
0: Thank you, Lauren S. And I will now ask Sarah H. to read the 12 traditions.
2: Hi, good morning. This is Sarah H., Recovered Compulsive Overeater for today from New York. The 12 Traditions. 1. Our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. 2. For our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants, they do not govern. 3. The only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. 4.
0: Everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted, and there's somebody that's not muted right now. Today we resume our study of the Big Book. We are in the chapter more about alcoholism. We are starting on page 31 with the, with the paragraph that begins, We Do Not Like, which is the last paragraph, and I will ask Anita J. to begin reading for us, please. Thank you, Monica. This is
3: Anita J. from Massachusetts,
0: Um, gratefully
3: recovered into this new year. Uh, We do not like to pronounce any individual as alcoholic, but you can quickly diagnose yourself. Step over to the nearest bar room and try some controlled drinking. Try to drink and stop abruptly. Try it more than once. It will not take long for you to decide if you are honest with yourself about it. It may be worth a bad case of jitters if you can get a full knowledge of your condition. Well, there are a couple of words there that I realize now are foreign to me, one of which is if you are honest with yourself. Oh, if that is the prerequisite then that's why I never never could face it because I couldn't face being honest. Um, I just didn't realize that my insides were held together by I don't know, potato chips and, you know, things like that just holding me together. Uh the the control drinking that I ever did ended long ago and um the word control, I I once saw a shrink, the first time I ever did, and he told me that I was a very controlled person, except I only let myself um, lose control in food, like I let myself be. That, that. I realized, you know, he didn't know, he didn't know at that time, maybe they don't know now, but... I never had any control in this area, but my control when I was strongly motivated, when I was dating, uh, fell in love, uh, I had control. When I was getting married, I thought I wouldn't be able to fit into the wedding dress because see I would caught him. My reason for control was gone. And this has been the story, but I could never, never face it. That is the other thing. It's just the one last thing is that they're not talking about um, face it that you've got a problem because you're drinking a gallon a day or face it you've got a problem because you're 50, 80 pounds overweight. They're talking about behavior here. And that is what finally drove me to listen to vision and to follow this and to get recovered. It was the behavior. I couldn't I couldn't escape it any longer. The same pattern every night, I'm going to clean up the kitchen, have a cup of coffee and a peanut. I shared that a month or two ago. Over and over and over and just throw that word over in a few more times until finally, and you know, once you surrender, once I surrendered, what was the problem? This has been a life second to none so far, and it hasn't even quite been a year. Very grateful to these um, steps and to Bill W. and to all of you. And with that,
0: I pass. Thank you, Anita. And who would like to comment on this paragraph?
4: This is Janet.
0: <laughs> yes. Kathy. Kathy. All right, i got Janice, Lauren S., Kathy was, was, pardon, did I, Elise? Okay, I heard someone, I didn't catch your name, Elise, all right. Janice, Lauren S., Kathy, and Elise. Janice, you're up.
4: Well, thank you, thank you, I got in there, didn't I? (laughs) Okay, uh, my name is Janice M., and I am a grateful recovered compulsive overeater. We do not like to pronounce anyone well. Nobody could pronounce me a compulsive overeater. I couldn't even I couldn't even pronounce myself. So <laughs> there's no sponsor, there's no doctor that can. The only way that I knew that I could not this is this is diagnosing my allergy. See that I didn't know that I didn't know I had an allergy. See, and I was always testing that allergy you know well one peanut one donut you know all this time I'll have just have two so I was always testing and trying to diagnose myself um you know I'm not that bad I don't have diabetes yet you know I was always comparing myself to other people especially in OA. they were 100 pounds overweight oh my god how could anybody get that bad well hello that's what the food, that's what the donuts did for me. That's what my testing of my diagnosis did for me. Um, this time's going to be different. I've been abstinent for a, for a, for a year. So really, testing my allergy because I was powerless over first of all my allergy. Um, you know, even when I was abstinent, you know, and then I was powerless over my obsession. There's another test. Oh, okay, well, maybe this time you know the the you know the things we have in our mind, so the first thing is um we can diagnose ourselves if you go to page forty four that first paragraph, you can read it. um I was always testing that allergy, and once I have that allergy, once I have that that whatever food, whatever trigger food creates a phenomenon of craving, I'm gone. It's always going to be like that. Until the day I die So that's what I'm testing at this point here And of course the the obsession also And with that I pass, thanks
0: Thank you Janice Lauren S, you're up Okay,
4: thank you Lauren
1: S, as in Sam A recovered compulsive overeater from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania Okay, so page 31 at this point in the text, I have done about, you know, if I'm reading this for the first time and I'm trying to get what these people got, I've done about 40 pages of step one. And there's there's tons of meditations in this book that I've been asking myself. You know, there's tons of statements i have been trying to relate to me. You know, do I have this allergy? Um... You know what have I tried? What am I still trying today? Do I relate to bill Bill's story and then just a few pages ago i'm am I'm, I'm learning about the hopelessness. Do I relate to the hopelessness the dilemma the 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 two it's either better end or accept spiritual help and do I admit that I've lost complete power choice and control and I will never gain back the ability to control choose or have the power to resist the first bite and even today I do I still think I have the power to choose that I can't take that first bite and that goes further, I mean now now that I'm recovered, I use that in every area of my life. you know I use that, but I still think I have the power to manage my life at all. But today, you know, if I'm going through this the first time, I'm probably just focusing on food and this is a really cool experiment that I think I think would be helpful to, to most people. I know when I was going through this text i I was I was answering a question that said, Do you think you know you're you are a real compulsive reader? Why don't you go to the nearest cupboard and, and take a few bites? And I remember writing, Heck no, like I am not gonna do that. I am the real deal. I am not gonna ruin my abstinence and if I take that first bite, I don't know if I'm gonna get out of it. I don't know if I'll be able to get out of that cycle. And we've learned and I mean I should say I've learned already that I have this craving. Once triggered, I am hopeless. It. I need to feed it. I have to feed the beast. I can't choose or have the power or choice or control to stop on my own power. So, th- I think this is a good experience, a good experiment to do if you're 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 on this page forty of step one and you're still not really sure. You're you know you're still not really sure if the real deal. This could be very useful and um, I'm sure it's helped many people. So with that, I will
0: pass. Thank you. Thank you, Lauren S. And Kathy, you're up.
5: Thank you, Monica, for your services. This is Kathy, a Recovered Compulsive reader in Boston. And, um, you know, until it was read this morning and Sarah commented on it, I had completely missed this sentence. It will not take long for you to decide if you are honest with yourself about it. And the truth is um, I had so little honesty, if there's such a thing. I, I, I was not honest, and I had a whole list of rationalizations, like um, I don't have much weight to lose, so I'm not really uh, an alcoholic with food. And um, I only binge once a month. Um, And I only binge once every three months. And, you know, I had all kinds of reasons to uh, conclude that I'm not really uh, a serious alcoholic with food. Um, And, you know, it wasn't even enough to get a bad case of the jitters. I have to say, for me, um, it was... The inventorying that really helped me see all the ways in which I used food to get through life Um, and it was only there that I complete really completed step one even though I completed it to the best of my ability um, when I read through these pages so I would just suggest um, anyone who is still wondering if they're all that bad um, to just keep an open mind. And, to, and like me, I did my best to identify with what's in these pages and to listen to others. Uh, that's how I finally really accepted in the depths of my heart that I am a compulsive overeater. And with that, I passed.
0: Thank you, Kathy. Elise, you're up.
6: Hi, this is Felice, recovered in Boston.
7: Um, I was really struck by the line where it says, Step over to the nearest bar room and so I'm just gonna say step over to the nearest all you can eat buffet and try some controlled eating. I mean, I, I just the images of all the, you know, arrays of food and, and imagining myself, you know, taking the taking the bites and I just know that I would be you know, stuffing the food to the point where I couldn't swallow. I, I just had a, a recollection of that, not being able to swallow because the food wasn't down from the last bite. And, I mean, ugh, that I just feel the, the sense of recoiling, you know, as if from a hot flame. Um, with the full knowledge, though, that if I did do that, I would continue down that road. And... um I feel fortunate to have had to be having some abstinence now, um, uh, maybe over over almost four months now, um, but that's a, a short period of time away from how many years I did um, stuff the food in any situation that was that kind of a. I mean, because like the bar room or the or the all you can eat or the you know the table of food that are just such set up trigger places um, for us where. There is no, there's no stopping. And I, I really, I, I could have told you in the past that, oh yeah, I can just have a few carrots or celery sticks or whatever, or you know, or I wouldn't do it. But I, I you know, listening to everyone here and and um, also having, you know, just gone through the holidays where well, I did see all these situations. Um, you know, with the grace of God, I did not do that. But I know that um, being honest with myself, I am just, uh, you know, one sudden swing of my arm away from my face of jumping in there and I'm so I'm so glad to share that with you all that I can be honest about it and know it in my heart and not and not cringe or 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 feel ashamed or try to pretend it's not so. And I'll pass.
0: Thank you, Elise. And would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph?
7: Sarah W.
0: Leah Sarah Sarah, Leah Va- Syl- sylvia, Vassa. okay i've got sarah leah sylvia and vasa sarah you're up
8: thank you monica for your service good morning this is sarah w grateful recovered compulsive reader from iowa uh ah, grateful to be abstinent and sober today and in my right mind I, I like the part where it says, um, well, first of all, I think the disease is so cunning, baffling, and powerful. You know, the idea that at moments I have stopped. You know, the the, the thing was I never could stay stopped. I just could not do it. I wanted to. Uh, but, you know, the honesty comes into mind about, um, you know, the pain and the shame about our disease it's almost more acceptable to be an alcoholic and Alcoholics Anonymous than it is to be an overeater and Overeaters Anonymous. Now, I think of what that word says, an overeater. You know, am I ready to really say this is what I am? And not only do I get to say it today, but every day the rest of my life. And that's why I always say I'm a grateful recovered compulsive overeater. I'm a grateful person to have this beautiful 12-step program. And I have to always remember that. You know, on, on page XIV, in the Forward to the First Edition, it says, and it does not say it in our traditions, but it says in, in the uh, Forward to the First Edition, the only requirement for membership is an honest desire to stop drinking. Why does it say that? Why does it say honesty all along in the first whatever the 60-some-odd page, 63 pages before we get to the third step? It talks about honesty all over the place, and this is the problem. But the disease is cunning, baffling, and powerful, and I've heard so many people say on this line, and I just love it, and I used it at at my um, other 12-step meeting last night, you know. Our disease is progressive, but our recovery is progressive too, and that's where I want to be. So today I pronounce myself I truly am a compulsive overeater the rest of my life I will be and the only way that I can get my disease to stay in its place and to really be able to live fully and have a life of useful and happy and joyful peace is to work these steps and with that I'll pass. Thank you.
0: Thank you Sarah W. Leah M.
9: You're up. Thank you Monica. It's Leah M. Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Try to Drink and Stop Abruptly. You know, I always found it fascinating that a book that took thousands of hours of collective uh, experience and wisdom uh, to write, you know, is now instructing me, guiding me to test out the allergy of the body. This is a self-diagnostic test for the allergy of the body. You know, it's not saying don't drink, but, you know, it's saying, if you're not sure, if you're not convinced, step into your nearest cupboard and try some controlled eating. And, you know, When I reviewed my eating history, I could identify certain substances that had the same effect on me that they're uh, describing to the alcoholic, where I could not take a bite and stop abruptly. I could not predict when or if I would stop, because I don't tell the disease what to do. The disease is the master in in that situation. So when I reviewed my his- eating history, when I was finally beaten to a pulp, I could identify certain substances that had that same effect on me. It was my personal alcohol, so to speak. It wasn't just about taste sensation. When I ate certain foods, my body was triggered. I was biologically mandated to eat more and more and more and more of that food. And, of course, I would stop feeling or thinking. I would just numb out because I was ch- that ease and effect and, you know, and comfort. And I was anesthetized. I was sedated. I was drunk with food. I had to learn through my personal history that certain foods had a physical effect on me, a drug effect, a drug effect, that once I put put certain foods into my body, it reacted in a way that demanded more. And Dr. Silkworth, of course, taught us in the doctor's opinion that this is called the phenomenon of craving, that my very cells demanded to be satisfied beyond my ability to control it. So here's the big book saying, you know, if you're not sure you have this condition, if you're not sure you have an allergy of the body, go ahead and test it out. And when you're done personal uh, testing, and when you're convinced, we have a way out. We have a way out, and that's what I had to do. I had to get to that point where I was finished where I was done, because my big book also tells me that I'm going to have to put down, refrain. I have to be in a state of food sobriety. I have to be as sober with my food as an alcoholic is sober with alcohol. No compromises, no middle ground that, you know, I'm going to have to uh, have uh, entire abstinence in order to uh, embark on this program of recovery. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Leah. And Sylvia, you're up. Thank you so
10: much. Um, So much good information being shared. And the sentence that I wanted to go over, this is Sylvia F., a recovered compulsive overeater in upstate New York. And um, the the line that someone else shared that also just jumped out, it will not take long for you to decide if you were honest with yourself about it. And, What I have found is that this dishonesty is, for me, the essence of my disease. And so coming in, uh, I could be honest about most of my food, but not all of my food. And that was interesting. I could give you about 97% of honesty or 95%, but I couldn't be completely honest with myself. And I I know that one time I was doing a, a fourth step with someone and, and, uh, i had gotten completely done with my fourth step and doing the inventory of of, uh, the wreckage of my past. And I got all done, and she said, do you feel better? And I said, yeah, no, I don't quite feel better. And she said, well, think about it. Tell me what you weren't telling me. And um, so I took that hour, and I had to tell her that there was a food that I couldn't eat that I didn't want to tell her because I didn't want to give it up. And I wasn't going to get my recovery, The recovery that's promised in this big book, unless I was honest first of all with myself, and second of all with my sponsor, and that means in that moment with God, and uh, and so that was such a good indication of what this honesty was like for me in terms of recovery. The other thing that's interesting about this honesty thing for me is that when I am uh, I am recovered. But it doesn't mean that I do this perfectly all the time. And what i found is when I'm getting into trouble, it is with dishonesty with myself, this amnesia that I get, this false thinking that I can do something, say something, think something uh, that is, it's clearly, after, when I work with my sponsor, crazy thinking, crazy behavior uh, dishonesty, and it's just not dis- it's not just dishonesty with the food. So here we're definitely talking about: Am I willing to put my substances down? And that is definitely the very first step to pl- put the plug in the jug and get it. But the thing is that that I find is that this abs- this uh, honesty thing is what I that is the essence of my disease that I have to struggle with once I've put the food down. Um, being honest that. Not everything is about me being honest that i 'm um, not the center of the universe, being honest that my behavior might not have been good or m- my actions and um and as soon as I am not honest with my sponsor, first of all, not honest with myself, not honest with my sponsor that is the head that is where i 'm heading into trouble again, and that is what I have to catch and so i 'm working on honesty. All the time, the plug is in the jug. My food is good; it's been good for a long time. My weight is good. I have uh, a physical recovery that I never thought possible. I did not do this. I know that it was a outcome of the program. Time but be crazy, I'll, and I'll end up with this. To not be crazy, I have to be. I have to work on this honesty thing with me, my sponsor, and God.
0: And with that, I pass. Thank you, Sylvia F. Vasa. You're up.
11: Yes. Thank you, Monica, and good morning, everybody. And I'm Vasa O., calling from Florida, Recover Compulsive overeater. Eater. I'm grateful and grateful to be here with all of you. And um, I like this paragraph. Before coming to the program, I knew I ate too much and eating the wrong things, but I didn't know it was a disease. I didn't know they called it, the, they called it food addiction. Or compulsive overeating, so those were really new words for me. But when I heard it's a disease, that really scared me. And and also I didn't understand the allergy, you know. And I did understand the obsession though, because when I ate certain things, I wanted more and more and more. But you know, I knew I had the obsession, but I didn't know that. You know, I you know I thought that was normal. And I could not stop, so I have gained and lost hundreds and hundreds of pounds off and on over my lifetime or my diet in years before coming to the program uh so looking at my history, I needed to take a uh, a good look and 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 the honesty what I did with the foods over the years and how I ate um and again, identification, you know, with other people. I said, oh, wow, you know. For me, it was just awesome to come to the programs and hear the speakers and hear the people that are struggling and, like, I was struggling and how they came to the solutions, working, you know, the steps and getting into the big book. So the honesty for me became more with myself and my higher power, because when I surrendered and I admitted I was just powerless over the food, I was just going to die if I continued doing what I was doing. Once I surrendered, it became more with, you know, with my higher power and myself, because I remember thinking in those days, you know, I need to be honest because my sponsor is not going to follow me all day long to see what I'm putting in my mouth. But I did call my sponsor, and I would tell her what I was doing. But, you know, again, I was a grazer, you know. I had to be very honest and not to open my mouth, put any of those substances or any food, you know, in between meals. So it is that nobody had to convince me, really. Nobody had to convince me. I, I was convinced that I was, you know, when I came, I said, ah, yeah, I am them. I am one of them. But thank you, God, there's a solution for me here. Finally, I was, I was relieved there was a solution after me trying to find the solution for 25 years of my life. So I'm just so grateful for Alcoholics Anonymous, and thank you for everybody for being there. And I pass.
0: Thank you, Vasa. Would anyone else like to comment on this before we move on?
10: Alice, Alice,
12: Larry,
0: Larry, Anita L, L. okay, Alice, Larry, Anita L. Alice, you're up. Good morning, this is Alice M., a um, compulsive overeater
13: from Florida, and um, I identified myself out a lot with this paragraph, and I'm hoping that what I have to share this morning can help um, um, others with different manifestations of this disease identify in. Okay, as, as a bulimic, a binge purger, an, anorexic, I looked at this and I thought, okay, step over to the nearest bar room and try some controlled eating. Try to drink and stop abruptly. So I thought, well, I could take a bite of something and not be triggered to eat more. So maybe I just am, maybe I just have a really severe eating disorder. I always thought that with my um Binging and puking, in my anorexia—that maybe I, I didn't qualify in here. I just had this really, you know, eating disorder. But I had to—I had to change these words around. It was helpful to me to think of, well, what is my bar room then, as a bulimic and anorexic? What is my bar room? So I thought, okay, try to try to binge, um, just want, try to binge once, and not stick that spoon down your throat to throw up. Try it again. Can you binge? Can you overeat and not do that? No, I couldn't. So that's where I identified in. As the anorexic side, okay, try to to skip breakfast and go to Starbucks and have a coffee instead and try to do it the next day. No, I will guarantee you I will be eating, I would be drinking coffee the whole day long only and not eating food. So those were my bar rooms. It's like I had to, you know, and I encourage people because I, I, I had trouble identifying, as um, you know, with with not having ever really been overweight. That wasn't part of my my disease, my consequence, because I threw up every every binge I had. So um, it was. I had to look at you know what is it you know, and today it's also you know I think oh I can you know maybe I can have gum, have chewing gum, and so so okay Alice yeah, buy that one pack and see if you can eat one piece or six pieces committed a day and stay with that and then do it the next day. It's like, I I can't. And that might seem minimal, a minimal trite little experiment for some, but um, picking up chewing gum has, for me, has led to relapse with binging and vomiting and eventually in treatment. So it's, um, I just, uh I encourage people to find out, you know, what is, you know, look at what is your bar room. Around your disease and I have to do that around mine too you know what is it today that helps me identify and what is it that I still think you know okay well let me just try this experiment and by the way I always looked at that kind of as tongue-in-cheek in in this book I never thought Bill was really seriously saying um, you know okay go ahead and do it you know it's just um, because I want to make sure (laughs) newcomers on the fly know that we are not saying go and try this experiment I'm not saying that. At least, that's not how I thought it It was. Just like, okay, then go ahead and go out and do it. If you think you can do it. Um, so, anyway, that's just all I wanted to share this morning.
0: And I pack Thank you, Alice M.
12: Larry K. You're up. Good morning, Monica. Thank you so much. This is Larry K., uh, recovered compulsive reader from Chicago. Um, you know, for me, the uh, the honesty part. You know, a lot has been said about the honesty. You know, without no honesty, no recovery, that that's just a fact. And it's not it's a fact that I, I really couldn't accept because on because dishonesty was one of the coping mechanisms that I utilized, self-deception and those sorts of things, that I utilized to cope through life. I could not accept certain things about myself. So I continued over and over again to deceive myself. And this was one of them. And you this program is a spiritual program. That's first. That's what makes this uh, distinct from, from other, other uh, types of, of solutions. It's a, it's a spiritual program. And with this spiritual program, I had to get completely honest with myself. And, you know, for me, uh, for, for about five years, I would uh, self-deceive. I would lie to my sponsors. I had many of those. I would go from one to, the, to another, to another, to another, because I thought that they would Uh, that they would uh, be able to effectuate this, this spiritual transformation for me. I would come to meetings like this. I would do anything while I was continuing to lie to myself and to others, and I didn't see it. But I always saw it in you. I always saw your dishonesty. Couldn't see it for myself. And so, you know, the, 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 one of the cold, hard facts for me was that, you know what, Larry, you are not going to get this spiritual awakening because this is not about food and fat. This is about a spiritual soul sickness. It, it is so much more than that. It's not about a, the, the proper food plan. You want to tr- if you're not recovered and you want to try to eat my food plan, forget it. You'll never be able to stay stopped. I wasn't. I wasn't able to stay stopped. I knew the right things to eat, so yes, we have to have a diagnostic procedure, and I needed to go and understand and fully concede to my innermost self and quit lying to myself, because as long I was as sick as my secrets, and if I continued to lie to myself, I would never get right with my conception of a higher power. But once I had the courage to get honest with myself, God flooded in. And I had a complete spiritual transformation, immersing myself in this very simple, practical program of action. Not easy, but simple. wasn't hard for me to understand. And now I don't struggle with life anymore. I don't struggle with life anymore, even when the storm comes. Thanks so much. Thank God for Alcoholics Anonymous. And with that, I'll pass.
0: Thank you, Larry Kay. Anita L., you're next. <clears throat>
14: Good morning, everybody. It's Anita L. from uh, Recover Compulsive Overeater from Philadelphia. Um, I wanted to share several things, but uh, I just started rereading the paragraph. And it says, we do not like to pronounce any individual as as an alcoholic. And uh, that sentence, or part of the sentence, brought me back to when I first... Uh, right before I first came to OA. And I was in my 20s living with a woman while I was going to graduate school. She was going to nursing school, and she gave me an article from the newspaper, and it talked about how this um, large gentleman had been to a nationally known weight loss group five times and could never, never stay stopped. And he went to Overeaters Anonymous, and the first time he went, he felt like he was home. And when she gave me that article, I was so pissed at her. I thought, how dare you? I'm not an overeater. I just, you know, I've just always my entire life had at least 20 pounds to lose constantly. Um, You know, I, I didn't have 100 or more pounds to lose. Uh, and so I didn't belong in that room. And finally, it took me six weeks when I cried to myself and my girlfriend <clears throat> and said, I need to go to this meeting. So I, I don't remember what took place in between those six weeks, but I clearly diagnosed myself. And I like how someone shared um, step over to the nearest uh buffet restaurant. I always substituted um, a bakery because for me, sugar was my ultimate thing. And I also know that volume and fats, but especially volume, was another one of my binge areas. And I mean, I could binge on protein. I could eat. Probably when you go to a steakhouse and they give you this enormous steak, I could probably eat the entire thing, but I wouldn't because I would be too embarrassed. Uh, So, volume was definitely something that I had difficulty with. And so, stepping over to the nearest uh, buffet, was always hard for me and I always had the biggest plate and was always embarrassed because I would look at others, other people's plates. But I'm grateful today that I can, if that's what uh, the whole group chooses to do, to go to a type of restaurant that might be like a buffet, I can go up once, get my abstinent foods and sit down and enjoy the meal and and the socialization of my friends and family who I'm with, because that's why I'm there. Thank you so much, and with that, I pass.
0: Thank you, Anita. And with that, let's move on to the next paragraph, and Santa H., could you read for us, please?
15: Yes, good morning, everyone. Um, My name is Santa H. from New Jersey. A grateful, truly grateful, recovered compulsive overeater. Recover one day at a time. Thank you, God. Though there is no way of proving it, we believe early in our drinking careers, most of us could have stopped drinking. But the difficulty is that few alcoholics have enough desire to stop while there is yet time. We have heard of a few instances where people who show definite signs of alcoholism, are able to stop for a long period of time because of an overpowering desire to do so, and here is one. Okay, again, my name is Hassan Page from New Jersey, gracefully recovered. Wow. Um, I am just amazed that we are on page 32, and we're still at just step one. Step one, you got 11 more steps to go. And it just goes to show me how important step one is. And I, I love how in here we're well, Bill, throughout the, throughout the, throughout the readers in this, end of this um, text, throughout the choices of words that they use, I love how he talks about um, drinking career, because I did not see it at that time as a drinking career. Um, but I definitely can identify in here where he talks about um, few of us would have stopped um, while you have time. Um, I don't think that would have been true for me, um, that I would have stopped. And the reason being is because I was having too much fun. Um, life was going great for me. I didn't have enough desire, enough reason to stop. And for many, many, many years, I did not know food was my problem. But when I did realize that um, I had a desire to want to lose weight, and that's what, what caught, got my attention to get serious. And um, after my divorce, and I knew it was time for me to make a change in my life, so I said, okay, I'm going to start this diet plan. And then so the journey started for me. Well, then um, a period of time I came into the rooms of OA back in 2013 of May, and um, and where it says because of an overpowering desire to stop, um, that's where it was for me. I did, coming to this room, I did have an overpowering desire to stop. I came in the room of OA through a vision for you and I and I, I was ready. You know, I was ready to lose the weight. But um but I wasn't ready to do the work. I wasn't ready to do the steps and it wasn't until January of last year. So this time last year I was just beginning to do the steps and I got me a, a recovery guide and I was ready to do the work. Um but unfortunately, um I am what I consider myself to be one of those slow learners and a know-it-all. And I identify myself in um, real closely with Roland because just like Roland, he had the undivided attention that he needed to get recovered, you know, spending a year um, in Europe, and I had a wonderful, loving sponsor for me. But when I was done, that wasn't enough for me. Just like Roland, when he got on the boat He didn't even make it back to the U.S. He turned back around and had to go back. And for me, I had to do the steps again. I had to go through a second time before I got it. So for me, it it took more than one time going through the steps and getting recovered. But it's the overpowering desire to do so that got me. And even though I didn't get it right the first time, it takes what it takes. And uh, and there's a saying that goes that some achieve sobriety and a richer, more rewarding life after a brief association with OA, where others become immersed in the fellowship with many meetings and services and repeated returns and reviews in the big book. But as the saying goes, it takes what it takes. So to all you newcomers out there and those who want to chime in and be a slow learner like me and a know-it-all, it takes what it takes. Let this be the beginning for you get you a sponsor,
0: and
15: with that I pass.
0: Thank you, Sansa H. Would anyone like to comment on this paragraph? Deb W. Deb W. Anybody else? Okay, Deb, go ahead.
16: <laughs> Hi, this is Deb W., a recovered compulsive eater in uh, Oklahoma. Um, that first sentence that says, though there is no way of proving it, We believe that early in our drinking careers, most of us could have stopped. And I remember when I didn't eat this way. I do remember when I could eat. I was very young. Um, I could eat and say I've had enough and walked away. Um, I I do remember still having a lot of little, you know, things that became worse. And that that was, you know, when everybody else – had enough, I still was pretty interested in food. I'd, I'd stop by the stores on the way to school and I'd stole money from my mom's little money uh, change jar and I felt really comfortable when I could go by and get candy and have it in my pocket, have something to uh, fall back on. Um, you know, the, the, the next sentence that says but the difficulty is that we Many of us have uh, don't have enough of a desire to stop while there's yet time. And I, I was thinking that one of the reasons that I didn't have the desire is that I couldn't hold the memory of the problem. I mean, the memory, the mental twist took the the a bad experience even on, before it got to be devastating. Back when it just was an uncomfortable thing for me to eat too much the memory of that disappeared uh, so quickly that um, I just kind of forgot. And so even up to the point over the years, I've actually been in programs since 1989, 17 years back-to-back abstinence and then a relapse, and I couldn't get back in before I came to Vision for You, is that, For every memory that told me this was a bad experience, this is awful, I'm I'm, I'm just miserable, there was one that followed that said, oh, maybe it wasn't so bad. Maybe I really am just imagining how bad this thing is. Maybe I can do something. Why don't I try this thing or that thing? There are a million things out there that I could try. I've run into many people who said, well, I I really I didn't I don't go back to OA because you know maybe that's just a group of people who are telling us uh, trying to make us believe that things are worse than what they really are. You know, just the idea of powerlessness isn't a positive uh, way to see things. But what I'm finding in Vision for you, the emphasis and the reemphasis and the the smashing home on the idea that those of us that are on this line, we're on this line because evidently we need help, and just having recovery smashed in to our brains over and over and over again it does kind of it kind of you know it what is it it kind of uh, gives us that uh, what is it playing with our mind in the positive way? It's it's reinforcing. It's kind of brainwashing us with recovery. And it helps Time. remind us, thank you, that we do, there is a way out. There is a, a solution. And I thank you for letting me share that,
0: Debbie, out. Thank you so much, Deb. Would anyone else comment on this paragraph? Sally, Sally? Sally and Renata. Okay, we're running out of time. We've only got a few minutes. <laughs> Sally, you're up.
1: Thanks, Monica. Sally, a recovered compulsive overeater in South Jersey. And I wanted to just comment on though there is no way of proving it, we believe that early in our drinking careers, most of us could have stopped drinking. That's such an interesting thought. Could I have stopped? I mean, if I knew. What a disaster this career in eating was going to become. And remind me at the bottom of page 256, if you go there, on 256 and 257, it says, I learned early in my AA life. So this guy apparently is looking at the same concept. I learned early in my AA life that I could not afford to fondle such thoughts as you might fondle a pet, because this particular pet could grow into a monster instead. Okay, so that's the important part there is it starts out my eating career as a pet. I remember when I used to play with food. I remember when I used to just, you know, be creative in my thinking. Well, I'm going to go on the Cool Whip diet. That's delicious. That means I can eat Cool Whip until it's coming out of my nose. I'm going to just eat Cool Whip all day. I remember all the different creative diets that I did because I was playing with food I did not realize I was playing with fire. And the interesting thing about 256 and 257 is it talks about how it's like fondling a pet, and then it turns into a monster. And so for me, my first thinking of eating, I was eight years old. My my five-year-old sister had died in a fire earlier that morning, and I remember sitting and, and having food, tons of food in my lap, watching TV, and the first time I remember thinking, wow, this feels good. So food became like a pet. It was like, this is fun. I can be creative with my diet. I can be creative with, with what I'm going to do to lose weight. Or and, and it was all just about a game. It was a big game. Early in my eating career, it was a pet. It was a game. But you know what? It turned into a monster. It became yeah, frightening. Yeah. i right <laughs> Go,
0: go ahead, Sally.
16: Okay,
1: I'm, I'm going to end with that. I guess that's a good cue to stop. And and for anyone else out there that it's been a game and, and it's been a pet and it's turned into a monster, I would just say it doesn't really matter whether we could have stopped or we couldn't have stopped. The bottom line is where are you? And that's what they're talking about here in this paragraph we just finished reading. If we could get honest, if we could just get honest, and nobody else can tell you if if this thing is something you've been toying around with. If it's become a monster in your life, you know if it's become a monster in your life. Thanks for letting me share with that. I passed.
0: Thank you, Sally, and Renata. We've only a couple of minutes, please. Okay. Good
6: morning, everybody. This is Renata G from New York. We go over for today. Uh, the way I related to this paragraph is. You know, it says, we believe that early in our drinking career, most of us could have stopped drinking. And, uh, you know, with liquor, I was always a hard drinker. I've always drank like an alcoholic, but I'm not a real alcoholic. So when, it, you know, it, it came between, you know, my abstinence and getting recovered in this program, I quit drinking. And I don't have an obsession of the mind to go back to drinking. But with food, I don't ever remember not eating food as a compostable reader. Uh, and so, you know, since I was a kid, I ate like a compulsive reader and I could never stop. And even on times when I went on diet, I could barely get to my goal weight. And if I ever did, it would take me three seconds to go back on eating because that obsession of the mind would drive me back to to it and so you know the difference for me was the alcohol I didn't need a spiritual program to to stop to stop in time because I'm not a real alcoholic but with compulsive eating the only solution for me was to go through 12 steps because once a compulsive eater I can never go back I'll never be a normal
0: eater so that's all I want to share thanks Thank you, Renata. And we've come to the end of our time here this morning. Thank you to everyone who has shared. And we will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And Suji, can you read for us, please, from a vision for you? Our book is meant to be suggestive.
17: Happily so. Thank you, everybody. And Suji, um, gratefully recovered in southeastern Pennsylvania, living in Steps 10, 11, and 1 equals 12. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got.